Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you guys for joining us, and I think that's exactly correct what my dear friend Steve just said, that it is a program of hope and of transformation. You know, we see the homeless, and you've heard me say this before, but we, we drive by the homeless, we see them with little cans and cardboard signs and those type of things, and some of them are not kind, some are rude, some are insulting, some of us are, are worried about even walking past them. And we see that everybody is trying to formulate a solution to the homeless situation. It usually entails giveaway programs of some kind. Well, are we there to at the mission to feed the homeless? Yep, we, we do that pretty well. 9,000 meals a month that we serve out of the mission. We have a women's clothes closet and we have uh, clothing for the homeless. We have a women's clothes closet that they can come in and shop. We have Bible studies, and we have all those things that are going on. There are showers that they can get uh, right there on campus. And yet, that is not the answer to the homeless situation, just to take care of the external needs. The primary way that you take care of the homeless and the growing problem is through transformation. When a person comes to the program, goes through the program, and really becomes a believer in Christ and they leave from there and they go out and they're joining their churches and they're part of society, then what you have is a contributing member to society as opposed to uh, to someone out on the street that you're worried about walking past. If there are too many giveaway programs, you can actually attract people from other states and other regions where they're a little more, uh, a little stiffer, a little less accommodating. And so it's a very delicate balancing act. At the mission, we really don't have a balancing act because, yes, we're called to feed, clothe, house, and and provide showers for the homeless. But more importantly than anything else is our, is our recovery program, which is not just drugs and alcohol, but all kinds of different addictions that a person can have. And so on the program, we want them to be able to find out how to live a different life, but a life that leads to eternal, uh, to an eternal life in Christ Jesus, not just simply clean up your act while you're here. Because for a pastor and for a believer to clean somebody up and then just get them off drugs, alcohol, and then send them to hell, that is, that is not what we're about. Uh, we want people to come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so our 24 men that live with us on our drug and alcohol program or recovery program, they are taught daily from the Word of God, which is really the only solution to any of our problems is found in the Word of God. And so how does that work? It works because God has the ability to transform hearts. 
he takes that stone heart of ours and he he gives us that beating heart and he gives us and he draws us and he loves us and you know what he loves us when we're unlovable that's the amazing part i didn't love god when when he drew me he drew me despite of my own bad nature mm-hmm. he gave me the faith to 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 come to him it says you know the the Bible tells us clearly that you are saved by grace through faith, and oh, here it comes, not a, that, not of yourself, lest any man should boast about how superior they are and how much more intelligent and, and how they sought out God. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that you sought out God. He's the one that sought you. And if you're a believer in Christ, you need to fall on your knees. You need to thank him every moment of your life. And you need to tell other people out there, hey, there is there is hope. And we know what that hope is. Is Christianity, uh, as many say, uh, an exclusive religion? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> There's one way, one truth, one life, and that's Jesus Christ. There's the broad way and the narrow way, and the narrow way is Jesus Christ. So, at any rate, I have a friend of mine here today. I hired him, but his story, his name is Jed, and he works at the mission. He is the development and digital Social assistant. Media yeah, assistant. I'm going to let him tell you what he does. <laughs> uh, but But at any rate, he works at the mission, and the only claim I have uh, to anything good about his his abilities at the mission is that I hired him. <laughs> he went through the program uh, about 16, 17 years, 15 years fi- ago. 15 years ago. So he was gone by the time that I showed up. I was volunteering down there, but I don't remember him, and I don't think he remembers me from then either. But uh, when I got to the mission, which was 14 years ago, uh he had come and wanted to volunteer. Now, mind you, he had gotten married in that interim time. He graduated the program. He became a great church member. He often preaches now at his own church and leads Bible studies and all kinds of things. But but he he knew that he knew this Christ Jesus who is the transforming mm-hmm. power of life. And so at any rate, I would like to introduce introduce Jed to you. And Jed, why don't, why don't you give us a little bit of, of your background and sure. what it meant to you to even come to sure. the mission? Yeah, it's um, it's a good thing that we're bringing up the uh, New Life program down at the mission because that's really where I got my start. Um, before that, um, I had been basically a drug addict my entire life from my teenage years on. Um, I was really addicted to meth really towards the last you know, 15, 20 years of my addiction. And, uh, and it had kept me going back to prison. And I had been doing what they call life on the installment plan, basically. Yeah. And so during my last term when I was in prison, you know, before I went to prison that time, the Lord had been working on me, but I hadn't surrendered to him yet. Um, but when I went to prison, um, I fin- about a year and a half into my term, I finally surrendered my life to the Lord. And uh, but the the one challenge that I had was that when I was released um, because of my lifestyle for my entire life, my family, my friends, every place that I had to go to was an unsafe environment. It was not a place for a new Christian to go to. 
And, uh, and so I knew that. And I didn't really have anywhere to go, so I was basically homeless. And somebody had told me about the Union Gospel Mission, so I went and sought it out. And, of course, back then there was, a, it, there was no room in the program, so I had to keep coming back. So I called every day, came in every day, and finally about a week later there was some openings and I was able to get into the program. And um, actually, as of uh, April 23rd of this year, that was my 15th anniversary of my graduation. Hmm. And so uh, it's, a, it's a moment that I res- – and I really did some thinking. Um, I had an opportunity to uh, share with some of our volunteers that came down that week uh, f- for the Easter banquet about it. And uh, just to kind of let you know what I do now, when I came on board at the mission back in 2015, I'm actually the assistant to the development director, Eileen Trussell. And uh, what my responsibilities are is is everything to do with the development department and with the digital social media web world that we're really in nowadays. And so I've been, it's been a learning experience for me to kind of learn how to uh, digitally promote the mission, but we also do it by doing outreaches and other ways that we can reach out to the public about what we do at the mission and and how to gain support. And so it's been a really fun job. I really love doing it. So I had the opportunity back then to share about what it meant to graduate and 15 years later. And I realized, you know, that I had learned so much in that program. One of the things that I had learned that I shared was that I learned it was the first place where I learned how to serve God, you know, because all the program men have a job and a responsibility to do and when you get born again and you start doing those things, you at first it was just a duty that I had to do, a routine that I had to do for basically felt like the job I had to do for room and board. But when I started to realize that what the mission did and that we were actually part of what God was doing there, that it became a, a service. And so when I when I left the mission, it was only natural for me to want to serve the Lord in capacities besides my normal everyday job and things I have to do for life. And so when I joined the church that I'm part of now, I started mowing lawns and doing anything I could to serve the Lord. And I did it with gladness because I learned that at the mission. Yeah. You know? Well, certainly when the Lord says, or when it says the Lord loves a cheerful giver, so many people think He's talking simply about mm-hmm. how much money you're going to give. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Uh, that attitude should permeate everything in yeah. your walk with Christ, right? Yep. And to Jed's point, somebody was talking to me once about the fact that we have jobs for them to do around the mission mm-hmm. in between classes and stuff. And I said, oh, no, if I had $100 million of my own money and could sink it into the mission and we we didn't need funding, which we do always, but even if we didn't, I would still want them to participate in working in the jobs that they're supposed to because it's part of their recovery. Yes, it is. You know, you have to step off from, you know, uh, thinking that everybody needs to serve you, that you are entitled to things, to the reality that you're not entitled to anything. And even that salvation that we talk about, you're not entitled to it. Mm-hmm. It is the free gift of God. Well, guess what? When we start to think as a, as a society, as a group of people, that we're entitled to everything, then the wheels come off the bus, don't they? Yep. And so, yes, we have things to do. I heard uh, Phil Cowan talking about, uh, about the mission one day on the show, and he mentioned the fact that we... We have rules and regulations, and a lot of people 
seem to be offended by the fact we have rules and regulations. But you know what? If we didn't, we also wouldn't have men recovering. What yep. do you think, Jim? No, and I that's true too. And I'm and that's another thing I was gonna bring up too, is that not only did I learn how to serve the Lord, but I also learned how to obey the Lord too. And that is, you know, one of the things that we used to talk about at the mission was that, you know, the the why we had the rules back then. We used to say that, well, the the rules are there because if you can follow the rules here in the program, then you'll have no problem following the Lord when he asks you to do things in your life. And so it's a it's a it's a training in obedience mm-hmm. because that's what the that's what the Lord wants us to do. And we want to obey him out of love, not out of necessity. Right. But it's good to have practices that we've learned. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, with the rules I did learn I did learn discipline and I'm thankful for those things. You know, back then we had a director that was ran things like a military camp in there. Mm. So we did learn to follow the rules, but I didn't have a problem with them. You know, I, 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 of course, I came out of prison where you had much more rules that you had to follow. And if you didn't follow them, you got in really a lot more trouble than you did at the mission. Yeah, so they didn't yellow badge you in prison. No, 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 no. Well, and, and you know, Jed is a good example of a person who grew up without the, even the normal what we would call rules and regulations mm-hmm. in a family That's right. because his family was, it was a little different. Uh, mom and dad were yeah, kind I, of flower children, right? Or, well, I, I grew up in San Francisco in the, in the six, in, in the seventies. And, and my parents had moved to San Francisco in 1967 for the summer of love. I was two years old. Hmm. And so, and that was my introduction to the drug culture. So I didn't grow up in a Christian home, didn't know what church was, didn't know who Jesus was. So, yeah, I was my my whole lifestyle grew around smoking pot and doing drugs. And so that, you know, I'm saying is I started doing drugs, you know, heavily when I was 12 and 13. And that just carried all the way. I was 37 when I finally surrendered to the Lord. And it was normal. Yeah, it wasn't like an it wasn't like some of us think, oh, okay, we got to hide. it. No, 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 it was normal. It was. Yeah. And and so. You were actually, you came to know Christ as Lord and Savior in prison, did yes, you Yes, I did. So would you say, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, Johnny Erickson Tata said one time, if she could go back and not have her accident that made her a paraplegic, she wouldn't do it because that was the vehicle that caused her mm-hmm. to come to Christ. So... Would you say that's fair about your prison oh, experience? Oh, exactly. I, if I if I had to, people always say, "Oh, it's such a shame you had to go to prison." I said, "Well, that's where the Lord had to get a hold of me, mm-hmm. and I would do it all over again if I had to, because I know my heart, and I had a very prideful heart. I mean, for many years, I would even when I was getting in trouble, the first couple times I did county jail before I went to state prison, that that I would get out and I would I had this kind of. Um, family that adopted me because they ran a flower business and they let me, you know, I could, I was very good at selling flowers on street corners, but the only thing was I was really good at hustling drugs while I was out there. So it was like, I could live this double life, you know, where they thought I was being responsible. And I tell them, Oh, I would tell them, Oh yeah, I I don't do drugs. And then I'd be doing drugs and I was really good at it. So it took me having everything stripped out from my life and being put in the lowest place that I could ever be for the Lord to speak to my heart. And I know it. And I would never take that back because it's what I needed in my life. Where I am now and where where I had to go through was was very important. That's one of the reasons why 
I I I really am disappointed in the decriminalization of methamphetamine oh, to yeah. the point where it's just an infraction now because I agree. a lot of guys will tell you that that it's that fear of going to jail that that drives people to seek help. Right. And those that come to the mission to seek help can find it through Christ and that you know it's almost an avenue that we used to have to share the gospel with people that are hurting has been taken away from us. And so, well, you know, what you said is absolutely true. I agree with your assumption about, you know, the decriminalization of methamphetamines. The bottom line comes down to that every human being is capable of every sin that is mm-hmm. imaginable That's to right. man. And we live in, you know, people have often, I think we were talking about it, Jed, they'll say things like in a post-Christian society. Mm -hmm. It's not a post-Christian society. What it is, it's the end times. Yep. (laughs) You know, and the end times started right after Christ was risen. And so, uh, yes, I agree that it's been 2,000 years, but... Guess what? That doesn't alter the fact we are in the end times. We're in that last season yep. of of uh, God's grace to the unregenerate world. That's right. And so uh, everything, y- you see, that's the problem. The problem is you don't get rid of criminals by making everything legal. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You You might technically do that, just say, okay, well, there are no laws, so nobody breaks anything. But guess what? God is the same today, tomorrow, and he's the same yesterday, and his laws are still in force. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we have a whole generation right now that is growing up without even knowing or having any thought about about what's right and wrong, right? Exactly. Uh, So, and I got to tell you something. People say, well, I saw this guy who was in prison for four times, and you know, he came out, but, you know, you can sure tell, you know. And, and honestly, you hear things like that. I got news for you. Sitting across me, uh, Jed is the real deal. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it 100%. I, I could not, I can't, I can't give anybody more of a recommendation than to say that I would trust Jed with my money, my wife, my daughter, <laughs> I would I would just trust him. And the reason why is he's trustworthy. And the reason that he's trustworthy is because he belongs to the one who is trustworthy overall, to Christ Jesus. He truly is my brother in Christ. Are we of the same denomination? No, but that doesn't matter either because mm-hmm. there are people who are walkers and followers of Jesus Christ in many different denominations, yep. not just the one that I happen to belong to. But of those, they need to universally understand that there is one way, one truth, right. one life, that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, that Jesus is God, second member of the Holy Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If we don't start there, then we're not talking about a brother or a sister in exactly. Christ. So... Uh, you know, Jed, uh, Jed had, and I hope we can get to it before the end of the, uh, sir, or service today. <laughs> I've been a pastor too long, I guess. <laughs> How about the end of the radio show today? If not, I'm going to hold him over anyway, because I want to do a second one. But I thought it was absolutely fascinating. The, the fruit that comes through obedience, 
Yeah. Uh, so we got about four minutes, but I would like you to tell them about uh, the unregenerate heart of your mother. Oh, okay. And how old you were and when this happened. Okay, well, first of all, that th- because I came from a broken family, my, my mom divorced my dad when I was eight. I was the youngest in five. And it, and it was pretty traumatic for me at the time, but um, she was never really in my life. The last time I saw her, I was 15, and she had chosen to uh, – she was an alcoholic, and she got clean and sober through AA, but it was a lesbian women's AA group. And so she decided to become a lesbian, and she lived that way her entire life until after I got saved about 2009 – um, I had started a Facebook page to try to find some of my family members and let them know that, you know, I had got born again and I wasn't doing the things I did before when I was a kid and and kind of share my testimony and open my life up to them. And so my mom got a hold of me through her sister. So basically to make the long story short that she decided she wanted to have a relationship with me, but um, we didn't really... You know, it wasn't she didn't really want to hear the gospel, but um, she finally ended up moving into a nursing home and she wanted to be by me and my wife. And so we spent two years ministering to her, not with the gospel, but just loving on her, her being open to our life. I was the only one in the family that led her back into to their lives. And so we were there up to her last moment and she got cancer she only lived 13 days after she was diagnosed with lung cancer. But from the moment she was diagnosed with lung cancer, she wanted to hear the gospel. And she allowed me and my wife to pray for her and read the Bible to her. And um, that was it pretty much. But um, we're pretty confident that, that the Lord used that whole time for her to come back and to let her come back into my life. How old was she at the time? 78 when she which was 74, mm-hmm. I think, or 72 or 73 when she got came back into my life. But she died at 78. You which know was what's 2015. amazing is one of the meanest men in all the Bible was a man named Manasseh. And Manasseh mm-hmm. was a horrible, oh, horrible yeah. guy. <laughs> oh, boy. But guess what? He was a horrible guy that saw the truth. Yep. Now, the the vestiges of that was his son was, <laughs> was just like him, the old him. Yep. But his grandson was a man that tore down the Asherah yep. poles and 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 preached what we would consider to be the word of God at the time. Yep. And he was devoted to God. And so, so many times it's our parents that tell us about Christ, but sometimes it's our children yeah. who we didn't get yeah. to tell them because we didn't know the gospel, but they do and they reciprocate. We only have one minute. And I want uh, Jed to come back. But I want you all to know out there that at the Union Gospel Mission, it doesn't matter where you are, what you come from, what your lifestyle is. None of that matters when it comes to getting food, clothing, meals, even a place to stay upstairs. You can come on the program uh, and you can be part of a different religion. But here's the kicker. The kicker is that you're going to hear about Jesus Christ every day, and we're not compromising the gospel message. Again, there's one way, one truth, one life, yep, and that's, that's Jesus correct. Christ. We wouldn't allow someone to come on and and speak and uh, about other religions, but certainly we will help anybody that we can. And so, until we meet again, my dearest friends, remember that 
that the love of Jesus Christ transcends everywhere you've been. And remember also that until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. But he's wasted it all His face is a photograph Burned in my mind But I pretend not to see him For the 21st time You've been listening to Voices from the Street The radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission If your heart's been touched And you want to know more about the work of the mission Log on to UGMSAC.com To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help Call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street. Voices from the Street.